Welcome to Casa Live. We had a little discussion about the title of this, and I think that it's much better, <laughs> short and sweet and to the point. So welcome everyone to Casa Live. Again, glad to see so many faces in chat right now. Welcome everyone. Uh, so yeah, Casa Live, I think that's what we're settling on. But I want to hear how everyone is doing today. So I think we can get into some hey, how are yous. Well, Kristen's not doing, uh, I don't remember, I called on her one time and she was like blowing her nose. So I'm going to give her the floor this time because she looks like she's ready to go. Hey, Kristen, how are you? Good, good. Um, hanging in there. Uh, managed to wrench my back this morning, as I mentioned. So I've got a pillow tucked behind me and um, hopefully I'll make it through sitting up right yeah. for the next hour. It's just dumbest thing too. It's just when you get old, I swear, it's... <laughs> It just sucks. I tell you. I, I have I have a hundred year old cat, pretty much. And um she just keeps on ticking. I swear she's almost 20. And uh we call her the basement gremlin, I think is what my husband calls her, because since we got the puppies, she's decided she's living in the basement. And um, but then she comes up occasionally to pee under the dining room table. <laughs> So that's, that's what I was doing. Hello. I was under the dining room table trying to clean up cat pee and I wrenched my back. I'm like, well, that's embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> so I'll tell you though, it's not that was my age. day. It's not even age. For anybody out there, if you do any kind of physical labor, learn how to lift properly because I hurt my back years ago when I was like 20. And so age isn't even relevant at that point. And I, I messed up one of my my vertebrae and so i feel you on back pain i have days just like you where i'm like just give me a pillow and i'm not moving i'm done yeah you have to use your knees that's for sure and i'm definitely yeah. doing that since i put up i was like on the floor on my knees trying to scrub and i just started to back up and then i went yeah. I'm like oh that's not gonna be good yeah <laughs> and sometimes it wasn't. it's unavoidable you sneeze and you throw it out <laughs> Yeah, not to that point yet, but oh, I've done it. I've definitely other weird things happen when I sneeze, but we won't get into that. Well, other than your back pain, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well, you. Alex. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? <clears throat> I'm, I'm oh, you. Great. How are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, how are me? Um, I, I'm tired today. I, it's uh, yeah. end of a week of intense focus on a couple of projects, and one of which I didn't get completed yet. So, um, I'm a little burnt out. Um, but speaking of back pain, I, I have my own um, issues from sitting in an office chair for six years. Uh, and so I've been discovering a lot of I've been doing yoga in the morning. I now do like up to like two hours a week of yoga um, just to get some physical exercise in. And um, I followed there's some physical therapists out there, uh, Brad or Bob and Brad. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. And I've been getting a lot of sort of do it yourself at home kind of, you know, working out knots in my back and all this other yeah. stuff, you know, doing, doing this work, which is a source of almost endless disappointment, uh, and stress, uh, our bodies deal with stress in very weird ways. And, and so I've, I've been trying to, trying to resolve a lot of pain, uh, that is likely the result of, of my muscles absorbing a lot of that stress and anxiety. Um, so I'm, I feel you, I'm, I'm sorry for your back pain. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as, as it should be, there are a lot of resources out there for all of us to take advantage of. So, um, hopefully that, that, that's helpful. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I'm doing it's Saturday and I want it to be Saturday and just a fair warning for everyone. We are trying to stick within some, some time 
boundaries here today. Uh, so hopefully this will be a little bit shorter than what we're accustomed to uh, and, and just as informative and densely packed with, with some information and good discussion. So um, that having been said, how are you doing, Logan? I'm doing well. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing really well. I've been really enjoying the rain today. Uh, where I am, Alex doesn't get any because he has the Adirondacks that just shield him from all all rain um, that we get over here. But uh, it's just been raining. It's been raining steady since like eight o'clock last night. So I had the windows cracked open all night and all cracked open. I'm sure I have some wet sills around the house today, but that's that's fine. I just love a good rain day when you get that like steady rain all day, coffee, quiet house. It's, it's been a great day here. Um, and my week has been pretty good. My week's been pretty good as well. But I am ready to dish out some news and advocacy and find out what's going on. So are you uh, are you prepared, Alex? Are you ready for this? All right, you guys. Let's get into this legislative rundown. Alex, what do you got for us this week? I was worried for a second we weren't going to get that. No, I got the bumper, man. I was, I was <laughs> trying to bumper. lead into it. I was trying to lead into it. Well, um, so, yeah, we've got the new uh, format here. So just to take everybody into it, um, the first thing, actually, the, the, the good news, counter to what I had said in my how am I doing this week, um, is we've actually got some some good news. It's all It's all relatively good news. Uh, and so I'll start in Oregon. This isn't something that we had an engagement up for, but um, this, this was a bit of an issue. Um, HB 2148, uh, which would have uh, banned remote sales of, of vapor products in, in Oregon, uh, died in committee, uh, in committee upon adjournment, in parentheses, dead. Uh, this was not the only bill looking at online sales bans. Um, but uh, just some good news there that, that that at least didn't make it across the line. Uh, Oregon's legislative session ended, uh, I guess, according to the website, on June 27th. So we'll see you again next year. Next year is an even-numbered year, and so it will be uh, shorter. Uh, a lot of times we talk about that like the lightning round. Uh, so in even-numbered years, a lot of states have the shorter legislative sessions, and things move very quickly. Um, so while this bill might be listed as dead, uh, I think we can anticipate seeing something like this in the future. Um, hopefully, FDA decisions coming in the fall will maybe change people's minds a little bit, but I'm not going to hold my breath uh, on that. It's never crossing fingers and holding breath is not really a good basis for for, for <laughs> policy or even optimism. So, um, so that Just is. Clarify, this was like intrastate <laughs> online sales, right? This was stuff just within within the state of Oregon. Yeah, if, if I remember correctly, that's what af affected things, um, or that's, that's what was affected by this legislation. Uh, so um, good news, moderately good news. Um, the other bit of good news, and I'm going to try to do this correctly, we'll go to the big screen here. Um, that's, not, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I you, need you got to share your... Uh... There we go. All there right, go. here we go. So um, there is our, our blog, of course. Um, Kansas City, Missouri, when this will load up for us. Um, we've been talking about a uh, flavor ban in Kansas City, Missouri. I just updated this this morning. Um, 
as of July 15th, the flavor ban ordinance is listed as, uh, or it is being moved to the semi-annual or the six-month docket. Um, this is, uh, sorry, I got to find my mouse again. Here we go. So uh, the, the six-month or semi-annual docket is sort of what it sounds like. Every six months, bills that are on this docket may be called back up. Um, and, and sort of, I think the maybe word of caution is that this may come back kind of at any time. It can very easily be pulled off of this docket and brought up for a city council meeting. Um, but for the time being, at least, uh, this is not an immediate threat. Uh, I am not going to qualify this as dead. Uh, it, 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 I think, falls in, in the description of partial victory. Uh, so uh, the flavor ban in Kansas City, Missouri, is for all intents and purposes on the back burner, but not off the stove. Um, so good news for Kansas City. Um, the other thing, uh, the next thing is uh, Denver, Colorado. I don't have any official sources for this, but we did see a post from Amanda Wheeler that the flavor ban ordinance in Denver, Colorado is dead. Um, I, I apologize not being able to confirm this with any official reports or agendas. I, I did a little bit of combing through recent committee agendas uh, and didn't see any flavor ban items on the list. Uh, this is something, again, we didn't have an engagement up for this. Uh, it's been kind of a little bit behind the scenes, I think, for, for, the, for until now, um, and uh, haven't really seen much movement on this, uh, at least not discussed publicly. So um, uh, dead for now, but I would probably could put this in the same category as Kansas City, uh, on the back burner, but not off the stove. Uh, so uh, at least for now, a temporary sigh of relief for Denver, Colorado, uh, no flavor ban. Uh, the next thing which we do have an engagement for is going to be, again, back to our snazzy uh, and very functional um, clicky. Clicky, clicky map. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, in Maine, uh, LD fifteen fifty. Uh, the news out of Maine was that a flavor ban did not end up receiving funding in the state's budget, and so it's not going to happen as part of the budget bill. Uh, but LD fifteen fifty is a standalone bill. It has not been dispensed with. The, the quote is a standalone bill on the topic, LD 1550, has not been fully dispensed with by the legislature, however. So the idea remains alive for now. This is something that could still be a threat as uh, I, I, I believe uh, Maine is in special session. I think that was mainly to deal with the budget, but special session, special things can happen. Sure. So um, this, this may still come up uh, for the during the rest of the year. Uh, and certainly as this notes, the idea remains alive. So uh, if not this year, we could see this come back at the beginning of the legislative session in 2022. Um, with that, uh, well, of course, if you're in Maine, please uh, take advantage of, of our engagement, uh, reach out to your lawmakers and continue encouraging them to oppose a flavor ban. Um, and uh, we've made it easy for you as we typically do. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, keep keep reaching out and, and letting them know just how important flavors are. Uh, and with that, uh, I am uh, finished with the legislative rundown. 
Yeah, so uh, some good news this week, though. Some some encouraging things happening, or at least uh, some you know some relief, some uh, things going on the back burner at least for now. Yeah, I'll That's take good. it. Yeah, I I really like days where we have good news. That's my favorite thing when the legislative rundown is like victorious, or or at least like we get to breathe a little. At know? least not bad. <laughs> yeah, at least not like the end of all things. Yeah. So, hey so, yeah, Alex, yeah. Why you yeah. still have the website open if you do, speaking of informative and helpful, how about showing everybody our new little feature of our facts and this section? So that is Go to the under, home screen. Go to the home is, screen. Oh, home screen. Okay. Yeah. You're going to walk me through it. Here we yeah. go. So there this, is a link if you do hashtag facts or but just scroll to the bottom. All the way down. All the way down to the bottom. Right about, I believe it's in our newsroom as well. No, well, it might be, but if you scroll down, it's right there on the first yeah, page. Yeah, you keep scrolling. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, there, there it is. is. So yeah, you can just scroll all the way to the bottom. Yeah, we have our, our facts and myth page. Um, this is something that people have been asking for for years. Uh, and, and several other uh, sites and organizations have put together their own uh, facts and myths type or myth busters uh, about all the horrible things we hear about vaping and tobacco harm reduction. And so uh, this was a this was a team effort, myself, Kristen, and uh, Danielle. Uh, Danielle, thanks again for making this uh, a, a beautiful looking page and, and very functional. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, if you got to go home and have those uncomfortable conversations with people around Thanksgiving, uh, you can you can always bone up on uh, all the, the the facts, busting the myths about vaping and um, you know the, the the perennial favorite here about antifreeze. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you know we 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 put some put some work into this to make it as uh, up to date and accurate as possible. Um, and and thanks again, Kristen and Danielle for 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 helping put this really valuable resource together. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really well done. And there is, um, you know, evidence behind each of these facts and myths as well. Uh, there's links to all sorts of stuff, whether it be studies or articles or, or whatever is there. So, so this is a valuable, valuable tool here, especially when engaging with media um, or like you said, you know, friends, family, anybody really. Uh, this is just a this is just a really valuable tool. That's it right down there. Oh, we drop the drop the links right in chat. There you go. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> oh, and we have a banner. Oh, I see now. Oh, cool. Look at that. Yes, Check I did drop the chat, and it will be in the description too. But there, there you got and the that's, direct link. That's quick and easy to remember and share. Slash hashtag facts myths. There you go. Kasan.org. Fantastic. Yeah, that's just such a great resource. You know, anytime somebody brings up popcorn lung, you can be like, well, actually. You know, because that one never seems to die either. The antifreeze and the popcorn lungs just, <laughs> yeah, it gets brought up every couple of months. It makes its rounds. But um, all right. Legislative rundown knocked out of the park by Alex. Are you guys ready? I believe is my understanding. I believe that it is take three time. The only thing I don't have an understanding on 
is who's going first because I left and made coffee while Alex and Kristen uh, deliberated and decided uh, which order we were going in. So I have no idea. I'm I'm going to go first because mine's mine's pretty softball, so I can get this done pretty quickly. Although I'm going to hit my stopwatch to make sure, um, because I do have a tendency to get off track. Um, so uh, if anyone was paying attention to um, one of the preeminent leaders in the drug harm reduction space uh, and drug policy reform space this week. Uh, Ethan Nadelman, uh, founder and former executive director of the Drug Policy Alliance with more than two decades worth of experience in in working on on drug policy reform and drug harm reduction, uh, is starting a new podcast. And that went live this week, I think Wednesday or Thursday, I think it was Thursday, the 15th. Um, And it is called psychoactive uh you can find it in all the places where you get your podcasts um i i tuned in for about i had about 20 minutes to listen to one of the episodes i intend on listening to the full episode uh but don't want to give any way any don't want to give away any spoilers and encourage people to go listen to this of course on your own um but uh just to sort of uh hype this up and, and and explain, I think, why this is really significant. Of course, uh, Ethan Nadelman has this extensive background in drug harm reduction. And uh, for those who, who may not have noticed, a lot of uh, the things that we've been talking about and, and making a concerted effort to link tobacco harm reduction with the drug harm reduction movement, um, and, and Ethan Nadelman in the drug harm reduction space is really taking up this mantle. Uh, and, and that was one of the quotes that, that uh, was used in, in the, uh, the Rolling Stone piece about, about his new podcast was that he has, you know, somewhat recently actually been over the period of, I think, probably two years or more now. Um, he's been appearing at, at conferences, e-cigarette summit. Uh, I think he was at GTNF uh, and, 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 and uh, you know, sharing his perspective on tobacco harm reduction and why it's important for people in the drug harm reduction space to uh, to start incorporating this into their their materials, their advocacy, um, and so I expect and 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 have already you know sort of witnessed from listening to just twenty minutes of one of these episodes, uh, Ethan Nadelman brings a much more experienced and nuanced view of uh, the drug war and the effect that it's had on on communities uh, and. Um, uh, you know, how we can go about changing these policies and making things a lot more humane uh, and ultimately effective. Uh, and um, and I, I expect that he will have a very similar take on, on tobacco harm reduction. Uh, Clive Bates had tweeted about this earlier in the week. Uh, it sounds like he was interviewed for this podcast. Very much looking forward to that conversation. Um, two very brilliant people talking about all of the issues. Uh, and so um, strongly encourage people to check this out, subscribe and listen in as these uh, episodes come out. Um, and I, I think the you know, the challenge here is I know a lot of people in our space are, are maybe not totally familiar with the drug harm reduction world and drug policy reform. Um, but just as you know, what Ethan is doing uh, in, in terms of bringing tobacco harm reduction into the drug policy discussion, I think there are a lot of elements of the drug policy discussion that we can learn from and incorporate into our advocacy and, and make things make things better in the, in the tobacco harm reduction side of things. Um, so as you're listening, you know, listen with a critical ear and and, and uh, 
and really try to absorb all of this very, very nuanced and detailed uh, information and, and takes on the issues. Um, and yeah, so the podcast is called Psychoactive. There are two episodes up now, uh, and I assume that they'll be posting new ones weekly. Um, so yeah, subscribe, love it, enjoy it, learn from it. And with that, I think I, I came in under 10 minutes. Yeah, I think you just broke a take three record. <laughs> but yeah, love it, Ethan. Um, I got to only spend about 10 minutes or so with the first episode. Um, also on my queue to finish that up and check out that second one. Um, but from what I heard and what I know from Ethan already, uh, it's just going to be it's just going to be fantastic. So I'm definitely excited to hear that episode with Clive as well. That's going to be a really great conversation. Yeah. And it was great that he mentioned in the, the Rolling Stone article that he mentioned tobacco harm reduction. I thought that was really cool. I mean, that's the quote that Kasai used in the, the blog post and the tweets, because that's that, of course, stands out to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And very so much appreciated. Yeah. And it's it, it's it's all harm reduction. It's all under that that bubble. It's just uh, it really does take people like Ethan right. to help people kind of bridge that gap. And there's obviously some differences in the spaces and industry and things like this, but um, overall under that umbrella of harm reduction, we're all on the same, same side of things here. So. I'm interested to see what else he comes up with as, as he gets more into the tobacco harm reduction space too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just to correct, I thank you, Skip, for correcting that. It was a GFN was where uh, Ethan was, a, a, I believe, a keynote, keynote speaker. Uh, I mis, misidentified that as GTNF, different different conferences. So thanks right. for the clarification. Because that's not hard to confuse. Holy cow. Yeah, <laughs> that's one letter. Um, that, yeah, that's a confusing one. You can see, yeah. that's, you're excused for that one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, great take, Alex. Great take. Who, uh, who, who's, who's up next? Whose take is next? I can go if you want me to. The floor is yours. The floor is mine. The floor is the entire floor. And I promise it's not lava, but it is yours. <laughs> All right. So um, my take this week is um, something that I, I've said a few times before is that every vaping and THR advocate needs to read Dr. Broad, Brad Radu's blog. <laughs> that three times fast. Um, his latest blog post, uh, we did share that in our blog, a link to that when we tweeted about it. And he was talking about how vaping research studies are being skewed, I guess is a word that I can use by, um, by the fact that so much research comes from the National Institute of Health in the US. And this is talking about US research. And I've just always been a huge fan of Dr. Radu and his blog for factual information. I mean, this guy he was going against tobacco uh, control dogma like two decades before I wandered blindly into tobacco harm reduction. Um, and someday we hope to have him on the show. And then Danielle's, of course, going to be here because if we do, and because uh, she's a real fangirl. But uh, for now, I'm just going to give a quick bio. Um, and I'm going to put links to all this stuff in the description and uh, in the chat. Um, he is, among other things, a professor of medicine at the University of Louisville and an endowed chair of tobacco harm reduction research with the James Graham Brown Cancer Center. His book, For Smokers Only, How, to Sm How Smokeless Tobacco Can Save Your Life, was first published back, to, back in 1995. 95, you guys. 95 he was doing tobacco harm reduction. Um, the publisher's summary describes it this way. 
uh, Dr. Brad Radu explores and explains the advantages of smokeless tobacco to cigarettes and as a better alternative to the nicotine patch. On the forefront of research and policy development regarding tobacco harm reduction, Radu asserts that permanent nicotine maintenance with safer tobacco products by smokers, people who smoke, who are unable or unwilling to quit smoking with conventional cessation methods is a safer method. So he was he was giving this message out that long ago. Um, so basically, I mentioned all this to illustrate to you why he he is somebody you should be following on Twitter. I will also share his Twitter uh, handle uh, and go back and you know I'm going to link to his blog. Go back and read some of this old stuff. You're going to see so much familiar stuff and and just you know he's been doing this fight for over 25 years and it'll also open your eyes about smokeless tobacco and how not all tobacco is equal and we need to keep that in mind as uh, THR advocates. Um, so all that said, he has the best take on this and the whole thing with the NIH and all that research and stuff better than I could say, says it better than I can. So I've got a six and a half minute snippet from him discussing it at the 2021 Global Forum on Nicotine. Um, and like I said, I will link everything here. I am going to have to pull oh, up. Oh, do we get, do we get to watch? You get to watch. We show and tell I've got show and tell today. Ooh, um, I like this. I didn't come with videos and you're just trying to show <laughs> us up here. Just trying to one us one up. I'm being here. lazy. I'm letting him do all that, do all the talking. So uh I gotta get this open. Just listen for a couple of minutes here. And we get to see Cliff too. Volume. Can you hear it? No, hit your volume. And I don't know if you did. You click the. I did not hold click on. the box to share your audio. Yeah, you got to click. The, you got to click the clicky box. That. Hold on. How do I do that? Where do I do that? Just Unshare your thing. screen share and, and start over with the mm -hmm. screen share. And you'll see the option. I think it's at the bottom. Alex has been through this. I see edit name. I see. Oh, do I have to take the stop the whole screen? Yeah. Yeah. Just stop it. Okay. There you go. All right, so let's do share, share screen. Look at this live troubleshooting. Oh, I, I see the button there, share audio. And there we go. This should work. Now I got to rewind it because it started playing. Oops. Are you hearing it? Nope. Oops. Probably very quiet. Very we quiet. We had that issue before. I hit share audio. Is uh, is your audio up? It should be because, yeah, my audio is up all the way. Uh... Yeah, we we went through this one other time with Alex trying to share a video. I believe. I'm in sorry. The... We didn't, we this didn't is my whole entire presentation, so I need you guys to be able to hear this. <laughs> um, what am I doing wrong? Should well, I go I think up under my cam and mic? Collectively, my collectively, we haven't quite mastered uh, StreamYard yet. No, so. collectively, no. It still has a few hidden secrets for us to uh, to delve into and master. Videos but... to the stream. Record a separate audio. Pop. It seems like everything's... Is it because it's going through my microphone and not through my speaker? Should I change that? 
you could give it a shot. Hold on. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try this. What we we need an IT guy. That's what we need. Any any IT guys out there? We need an IT guy. Danielle is probably screaming right now. <laughs> Can you hear that? Lightly. Um, very lightly. Is that enough to hear or not? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to, people are going to turn their computer volumes up to a thousand uh, to make it out clear. I have everything cranked up as high. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me try this. Good. I'll come back to all those scenes a bit later, but I know I'd just like to turn to Brad. How's that? Marginally better. Holy cow, I have it cranked way up. It's really loud on my speakers. I think that might be the best we get. Okay. I'm turning everything up that I got. It's all cranked up to 100. All right. This is it. This is the best I can do. Sorry. You could. I will link to this, so if you want to watch it later on, you can watch it later on. <laughs> And now it's quiet. Now I lost sound completely. <laughs> oh my God. You were so close. <laughs> Hold on. I think I might have accidentally. Yep, I did. Hold on. Well, agencies have some built in, in biases. Um, why, why do you think that? I mean, ostensibly, research and science is a neutral uh, exploration of the of the natural and human world. Why why do you see a kind of distortion in the way that it spends its money? And, and what what would you? We lost you. Well, good morning, Clive. Oh, Well, first of all. You know, research universities are nothing but businesses. And they're funded mainly by the federal government through NIH grants and contracts. Uh, if you think uh, universities are here to teach students, well, you, you have another thing coming. It's mainly so that they can continue to function and grow. And they do so with federal con federal grants and contracts, as I pointed out in my presentation. Uh, and despite the fact that there's $40 billion coming from NIH, it's not enough for all of the researchers and faculty in the uh, giant medical industrial complex in the United States. So every institution, every researcher is competing for very scarce research money. And the way they compete is to produce the best and most spectacular results. And they employ a university's media research or media, um, media arms to uh, basically propagate that those findings. And it's a setup for uh, continued funding 
and continued results. Now, you know, when you're talking about tobacco, and I try to point out how the federal government wants a tobacco-free society, that's a lead-in to only coming up with negative results. And so you can see the results of that in all of our media. So I think it's set up, and uh, I think it's uh, very effective. But Brad, what, what I find difficult about this is you could do good research, and you could do good research that showed that you could basically eliminate most of the disease associated with um, you know, smoking-related disease. You could, you could basically end the smoking epidemic. What I don't understand, and you know, get a Nobel Prize for that. There's no reason why you shouldn't get uh, incredibly big plaudits for it. You know, you're solving one of the biggest public health problems of all time. Why wouldn't that be something that you saw a lot more of in the agenda of uh, NIH? And the NIH, it is a National Institute for Health after all. Why wouldn't they be totally thrilled by harm reduction research that shows that you can eliminate you know, nearly all of the risks associated with smoking? What's, what's missing there? What, what's driving them in the other direction? Well, thank you for that question, Clive. I am still holding out for the Nobel, by the way, but, but I'm sure... <laughs> Richly I'm, deserved and long overdue, know, I think, is the consensus here in Liverpool. Yes. yes. No, but the thing is, the tone is set on top. And, you know, as I try to show in my presentation, in 1994, I suggested that smokeless tobacco might be a safer substitute for some cigarette smokers. And I was blasted for that by the National Cancer Institute, investigated for a year, and then it went on for two more years after that where I just about lost my job. And that was all because I suggested something. So- Brad, that's what so happened. But Why that's did what, that happen? That's the tone that's set. And once that's set, not only can you not go up against that, that uh, tone and that statement, but you can't even get any uh, allies. You know, people say, Brad, why hasn't uh, faculty from all over the medicine, all over medicine, all over the United States, why haven't they adopted tobacco harm reduction? This is the reason. Okay, the okay, right. doesn't let them. But who who owns that tone? I mean, the National Institute of Health is full of actual human beings that decide what the tone is. Why is it that somebody decides that um, you know research showing that smokeless tobacco is much less harmful than smoking is something to be demonised and cast out? Who who is the guardian of that idea? And what stops them changing their mind? There isn't a single guardian, Clyde. I, I showed in my presentation, uh, UofL, University of Louisville, has a small uh, cut of all the research funds, $97 million. Okay, it's spread across 129 line items in mm -hmm. almost every department and school in the medical center and throughout the university. It's not a single source, but it's a pervasive, uh, it's pervasive throughout a university. 
I have tried in my 16 years here to get other faculty involved here in my research and my projects. Nobody. Absolutely. Nobody has taken it. Sounds, it sounds like a, a cultural thing, in, yes. in essence. So the, the, the NIH is gripped by a kind of culture. I'm going to go yes. on to Roberto now because his presentation. Okay, am I back? Can you hear me okay? You're back. All right. I finally just took my microphone and pointed it at my computer, and I think that helped with this. Sound. I don't yeah, know at why. one point it got significantly louder, and I was like, That's what it was. It, well, I cannot yeah. get it to stop. So I apologize to you guys. That was the first time I ever have tried to, done, to do um, video on this, and now I know I'll just have to point my microphone right at my speaker. I don't know why I couldn't get it to go through the, the computer, but uh, I've got things plugged in everywhere. But anyhow, um, my take this week is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and we got two for on that one because we got Clive Bates too. Wasn't that awesome? It was like having two uh, powerhouse guests this week for just a couple minutes. So, and that's my take this week. Just very fascinating to hear what's going on with uh, behind the whole research thing and how that's paid for. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's a, like a cultural thing, like an ideology thing is really, is what it feels like. It's like basically what they said, but that, that's absolutely what it feels like. The more space, the more time you spend in this space, the more you kind of realize like that anti-tobacco, it is a culture. It is quite literally a culture. And organizations with terrible acronyms for names spring forth from that culture. And that's why and you can't really photo ops with politicians and you can't yeah. reason with them. That's why you can't yeah, concessions an and all that. Yeah. It's yeah. just a fight. And I really encourage people go read his blog. Go back a couple of years, several years. Go back to 2009. See what, you know, see all the stuff he was saying back then and as he started writing about vaping and saying, oh, yeah, this sounds familiar. And you'll see this is nothing new that we're fighting. They 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 cut their teeth on smokeless. And then before that, all other kind of tobacco and cigarettes. So, yeah, that's my take. Great well, take, Kristen. Oh, OK. All right. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess here's my take this week. All right. So uh, I'm going to go ahead uh, and I'm just going to kind of share and go through this really quick uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give my take on this. But smoking tobacco marijuana uh, banned from Asbury Park, uh, the New Jersey boardwalk. This also includes uh, all tobacco products, vaping, um, smoking, marijuana, whether that's uh, smoking or vaping marijuana. Um, Asbury Park City Council approved an ordinance Wednesday banning smoking and vaping of both tobacco and marijuana products on the boardwalk. The ordinance would take effect in 20 days on Tuesday, August 3rd. It comes with a summons and fine of $250 for the first offense, $500 for the second, and $1,000, excuse me, for each subsequent offense. The final council vote was 4-1. to one. Asbury Park Mayor John Moore said it's a health issue, not a money-making measure. Uh, we're not looking to raise revenue off this. We're looking to get it under control so we get less complaints about the smoke. Mayor John Moore told uh, New Jersey 101.5. The mayor said that smoking was already banned from the beach, but the complaints continued about people throwing their cigarette and cigar butts over the rail 
from the boards and onto the sand. The beach was already done. The boardwalk was just getting too many complaints about secondhand smoke. The beaches, parks, and boardwalk are now all no smoking areas. Moore said uh, state law allows for a 20-day period for challenging challenges to the ordinance. Uh, said that the signage will go up during that time and police will give, quote-unquote, soft warnings to smokers. He said the measure is not a revenue-raising move. All but one resident who spoke at Wednesday Wednesday night's meeting were in were in favor of the ban, according to Moore. Uh, one person who was an Asbury Park resident grew up on the boardwalk, wanted to know the reason. It was explained, and she said, "Okay, I'm all for it." Um, yeah. So, Asbury Park, New Jersey boardwalk, has uh, voted to expand their their no smoking, no vaping uh, policy. Uh, from not only the beach onto the boardwalk and also to be clear also to adjacent sidewalks connecting to the boardwalk uh, and sidewalks in that area as well wherever their uh, skateboarding and bicycles and scooter policies rollerblade policies wherever those apply this was also expanded to include those areas as well there was a little pre-vote before uh, the the actual official vote on this ordinance took place uh, Alex was kind enough to share uh, with me a few days ago uh, the actual um, hearing. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that this is uh, available to everybody. So I'm going to paste it right in chat here. Oop, nope, that's not what I wanted. Sorry, I just sent you. I almost sent everyone like me and Alex's entire conversation. <laughs> and not just a link. I mean, it's cool. You guys could read it if you want to. It's just me. Uh talking a bunch of smack but there you go uh there's that so this is another example of us uh you know people who smoke people who vape being pushed out pushed out to the fringes pushed away from everyone else you know if you're a you know you're a non-smoker we, we we want or if you're a smoker or a vapor we want you away we can't have this on the boardwalk we can't have this out in open air right open air this is boardwalk this is an outdoor policy so there's no evidence uh anywhere that this is harmful to anyone uh it's particularly vaping outside uh there's no evidence of harm to anyone on the boardwalk especially anyone on the beach anyone around you um so this isn't an evidence-based ordinance this is uh this is a moral based ordinance this is there's no evidence to back this up if the concern is littering which seems to be highlighted here. Uh, people tossing their cigarette butts over the rail onto the beach, or they said their cigar butts. Um, I have a couple of easy solutions or easier solutions. Uh, additional ash boxes along the boardwalk would be a great idea. Uh, some signage uh, that's already been discussed as far as for this ordinance, signage for where people can dispose of their cigarette butts. Um, uh, maybe a few additional garbage cans along the way for pods things like that for people uh, who may be vaping. Also, uh, the amount of litter from people vaping compared to people smoking uh, is significantly less. <clears throat> so if people were more encouraged to use uh, smokeless products and e-cigarettes, the amount of cigarette butts littered onto the beach and boardwalk would also dramatically go down as well. Uh, and those are some pretty easy solutions that don't include prohibition. 
during the the actual council meeting, uh, one of the council members did kind of dance around the idea that you know this would this would be difficult to enforce. Uh, he said, "Yeah, sure. There's going to be a few people that that get away with it that we're not going to catch," you know, and and goes on to say, "But we're going to try our best," uh, which is just whew, just fills me with hope over how this ordinance is going to go. Because ultimately, uh, this this is going to be left to police discretion. And we recently saw, um, it went viral, uh, a video of a young man and a, a number of other um, young individuals in Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, one young man was tased, uh, hogtied, and thrown into the back of a police vehicle for, uh, for vaping, essentially vaping on a boardwalk. Um, I mean, how have we not learned from a very, from the very, very recent past uh, that just because city council members say that this is going to be enforced with some fines and some summons and that we're going to try our best, that this isn't going to result in very real and unnecessary harm to individuals on the boardwalk. And also $250 for a first offense, 500 for a second offense, and 1000 after that uh, is just steep and unnecessary like that it, th those are some serious numbers uh alex and i had a, a little bit of a discussion before the show about this you know that's that's grocery money uh for a month for some people that's you know that's a good portion of someone's rent that is uh, uh utilities uh whatever that may be signage wise if um you know signs aren't necessarily clear uh one one person in the the meeting noted that there would be ordinance numbers on these signs uh in regards so people could you know stop before they enter the boardwalk uh proceed to you know look up this ordinance number try to decipher or maybe read a a city ordinance or you know a a legal thing like that for the first time in their life to try to understand it and what the rules are uh, while they're there because the sign doesn't necessarily tell them. Um, yeah, this is this is just a. It's just disappointing to see uh, there were, especially again right after what we witnessed in Ocean City, uh, things like this just moving along so quickly uh, and really with no like real opposition. Uh, there was two people that I saw spoke. Um, the, one, of, one of the people who spoke uh, was really just concerned with how this would be enforced, uh, rightfully so. And she makes some pretty wild, fun claims about how they can't even get people to put shoes on their feet. How are they going to get them to not, you know, vape or smoke on the boardwalk? Um, yeah, enforcement is a big issue. How will it be enforced and who it will be enforced against? Uh, is a is definitely a big concern here. Um, my take is that this is just a this is just a bad legislation. This is just a, a bad ordinance. Um, there's no harm being done to others. There are better non-coercive, non-punishment-based um, uh, approaches that can be taken here. Uh, real simple, pragmatic approaches that can be taken here, as opposed to um, Finding people and potentially also putting their their well being and their lives uh, at risk when we leave this up to uh, law enforcement, and so that that ultimately uh, concludes my take. Um, there is that twenty day period um, for challenges, so I don't know if uh, there are organizations or or groups or individuals or whoever out there in the New Jersey space or beyond willing to tackle that kind of challenge um 
but it is there. It is available. Uh, and that's it. New Jersey, Asbury Park, Boardwalk. Any, 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 anybody comments? Anything? What do you guys think? Yeah, I, New Jersey. I, when I was living there, they were starting to expand the the the, the smoking smoking law, the statewide. To uh, there was back and forth about banning it on beaches uh, and in state parks and, and and all of the things. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm with you and, and Rushmore Exit Twenty Three posted up. Uh, you know, this is the this is the exact opposite of an appropriate response to what happened in Ocean City. Um, I just to go further, it's absolutely tone deaf and, and they are just not considering, I mean, it was almost, they, they were almost laughing about this in the, in the, uh, in the hearing about, you know, enforcement and, um, the, the, the guy that was talking about posting the ordinance number on the sign, um, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, even if the signage clearly spells out like no cannabis, no smoking, no vaping, uh, on the boardwalk. Uh, how many of those signs, how clearly is that going to be marked? That was a complaint that I had with my city council here in Plattsburgh uh, when they expanded uh, their outdoor smoking ban to include vaping and, and really any tobacco use in a city-owned park. Uh, the signage as it is, is not clear. Uh, and there are just, there's so many opportunities for that to be um, uh, abused or, or of course disproportionately applied to certain people. Um, so yeah, and the fines, the fines are outrageous. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, one of our notes about these outdoor vaping bans uh, has always been, this is, this is part and parcel with the campaign to misinform people. Uh, yeah. This is one of those things that, that, that treats vaping just like smoking and people, it just sort of solidifies that misbelief that, are, uh, the, the misperception that, that all tobacco products are equally harmful. Um, I, and I do, want to highlight because you did throw in there a solution that is is not talked about, not considered as an option because of all of the, the misinformation. If you want to cut down on litter, first of all, educate people. No, people don't understand how to field strip a butt um, unless you, you're you know, an outdoors person or, or former military. Um, you know, I learned from, you know, some punk rocker back in the day that was like, you know, don't if you're going to smoke, don't don't litter, don't kill the planet. Um, whatever ironies you want to point out about that fine but i learned how to field strip a butt when i was you know a teenager um so i used to walk around with cigarette butts in my back pocket all the time i clearly did not care but so you know taking care of your litter a very important thing but also just promote vaping there's less waste involved and it's 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 easy to deal with and and certainly people are careless but it's less than cigarette butts everywhere that don't break down and and et cetera. Et cetera. So. Right, yeah. like there's there's so many holes in like the one pad e or one pod equals one pack messaging, mm -hmm. but there is one thing though is that it compared to twenty cigarette butts, yeah, you have one pod, yeah. Um, so when we're just talking about environmental waste and littering uh, and and things like that, the chances that that person a are going to at least just throw one of their many pods in a garbage can already. Uh, is is much better, but you have you have twenty cigarette butts, which is one of uh, you know the leading causes of uh, environmental um, waste and 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 trash and things like this. It's, cigarette butts are still a massive problem um, compared to one pod. So if if the problem is ultimately littering, which is highlighted during the the discussion, it's highlighted in the article. Um, 
there's a number of really pragmatic, easy solutions uh, to that problem. Are you going to get every cigarette butt ever? No. You're going to get every pod ever? No. Um, you know, even even the council member said, you know, we're not going to catch them all. We're not going to get them all. We're going to do our best or whatever. Uh, but still, there's there's easier, simpler, non-coercive, uh, non-punishment based um, approaches that could be taken here as opposed to slapping a $250, $500,000 fines on people um, for something that is quite literally harming no one around them. Well, like Skip points out there, you know, I mean, again, just like Tobacco 21 and flavor bans, isn't there already a law that applies to this behavior? <laughs> you know, don't they already do fines for littering? You know, it, it just, it just, it really does seem like another excuse to hassle people because smoking is not a danger outside, let alone vaping. So, I mean, talk about misinformation. It's just another one of those. And, and even the cigarette butt thing. I mean, I read the thing on cigarette butts once and, and people like to, yeah, they take a long time to break down and stuff, but they take up a tiny fraction of landfill stuff once they're cleaned up than say diapers. You know, so that was just another ant's way of sort of let's demonize this some more, you know. But yeah. the point is, that's a good point that um, there's less overall going to be, well, for sure, thrown on the ground. I mean, you've got some irresponsible kids who will throw an empty pot on the ground. But the other that's another thing about the whole anti-smoking thing is that they got rid of all the ashtrays. You can't smoke here. Get rid of the ashtrays. So then they end up with it all on the floor or on the ground. <laughs> you know, it's like you need to think here. People are still smoking. You're not going to get ready to quit just because you take away the ashtrays. You know, so, yeah. yeah. I, I assume okay. the, the removing ashtrays was part of the uh, campaign to denormalize smoking. So right. I'm sure that's the rebuttal to that. There is a right. question here on that. Skip also had a question. So what if someone is using one of those holistic inhaler slash vapor thingies, essential oils, is that vaping as far as the, and what if somebody's got a, a what do you call it, hemp cigarette that doesn't have, it's not technically a cigarette because a cigarette's technically under this most includes, having I, I would assume somewhere under the, the, the umbrella of cannabis that's part of this legislation that they would find a way to to work your hemp cigarette in as well so yeah first of all i think we're assuming that the city council is capable of considering all of this complexity <laughs> and nuance in creating this ordinance which they have clearly demonstrated they are not uh, so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend anybody try to you know i mean if you want to test it that's up to you i'm not encouraging the other thing is i don't I, I think we need to make a point here and, and discourage people from vaping essential oils. Yeah. Uh, that has already caused some problems. That is not the way to use vapor products. I don't Let believe that is yeah. considered vaping even. Um, that is that is technically heating up an oil to a smoke point uh, and, and you are inhaling smoke. Um, so, and, and I don't, I don't have any, any strong feelings one way or the other about uh, the, the vitamin vapes. Um, but I just eat better and you can take it in a pill form. Uh, that's kind of my personal recommendation. Um, those products sort of fall outside of our focus. Uh, but I think there is at least the responsible safety warning that uh, vaping essential oils is a, a, a no non-starter. 
Yeah. You That's know, I'm always thing like, that I really wonder. Lung issues. Pneumonia, oh, like, lipid pneumonia, right? Isn't that from inhaling yeah. oil? Yeah. 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 Um, and really, uh, when it comes to the, the vitamin vapes, like, is, is there any benefit to how, like the rate of delivery at which you would get your vitamin C or whatever you maybe take? Like, I doubt it. Maybe there is. Sure. But like, you know, there's there's a good argument to be made when we're talking about vapor products versus NRTs and other, um, you know, delivery systems and things like that rate of delivery for people. Um, it, it matters. Um, different people and different needs. Vitamin B. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's any literature on the uh, the benefits. I, 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 I take my vitamins either from my food or in capsule form. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see any benefit to vape. I don't even like really vaping CBD. I'd rather I can the the, the topical salve uh, works pretty well for pain relief. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with it. But um, yeah. other people, I'm sure, have different experiences with that. And so on. so yeah. we are we are <laughs> of course here. Look, Kristen reeling us right back in. All right, uh, I think that's that is going to wrap up uh, the take three portion uh of our program today so with the excellent takes everybody excellent takes everybody and thank you for all the uh the comments and questions from chat during all that but are you ready i don't know i don't know if you're right i'm not ready but let's do it let's take a deep dive deep diving here on Almost Kassan. deep dove into vitamins and deep dove supplements. In. <laughs> I was biting my tongue out there. Like, All right, Alex. Nutrition. <laughs> Alex, what do we got this week for a deep dive? What are we chatting about? So, um, well, let's let's let me get the uh, uh, my show and tell portion back up here. Uh, that's oh, not no, the right one. This is what we need. Okay. So uh, this is an article that was published in Filter this week. The title being, I rarely vape until cocktail hour. Pat Denning's THR journey. And so I thought we would talk about accidental quitting. Um, I think we had discussed this prior to the show. I, I believe I'm the only one on our panel who identifies as an accidental quitter. No? Okay. Kristen as well. You, you, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. So I'm not the only one. Um, so, uh, but just for, for my kind of preparation for this, uh, one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to do was uh, kind of challenge my own story a bit uh, because, you know, realizing that, um, you know, some of the, the uh, when we read studies about people and their motivations to quit, the metrics for that are sort of if you have been using NRT or if you answer sort of uh, affirmatively to the question, do you want to quit smoking, that's counted as having a motivation to quit. And I don't think that, that the way that studies or, or, or surveys are designed would necessarily capture that. And so within the, the research community, there is a, a, at least a call for looking into this phenomenon through, through the lens of science uh, and understanding more about it and understanding how reduced risk products can play a, a positive role in bringing in more accidental quitters. And so reading this article and, and Pat Denning's account of her, um, her, her journey uh, through, uh, through choosing vapor products. Uh, this is uh, also, she's a person who has been uh, involved in harm reduction for a while. 
she's a co-founder of Harm Reduction Therapy Center in Oakland slash San Francisco. Um, it, good, great to hear someone in the Bay Area in a in a position such as this, uh, it, not only uh, benefiting from from low risk vaping products or, or nicotine products, but endorsing it and sitting down for an interview with Helen Redmond. Uh, an excellent article, by the way, I encourage everyone to read this. But it, as she gets down to it, I, I know a spoiler alert, if, you, if you're a person who likes to uh, wait to read the end of the article yourself, um, it's where she gets into her description of herself as an accidental quitter. And the reason for that is she had resigned herself to continuing to smoke or resigned to uh, this ambivalence about quitting smoking. And so I, I think, you know, it, it, when we talk about research looking into, you know, one of the numbers that the, the antis like to throw out there a lot is, uh, you know, 70% of people who smoke wish they could quit. Um, and, and I think a lot of that, I've certainly fired back on Twitter uh, in response to statements like this and saying, well, you know, there are a good percentage of those people, I think, are just sort of saying what they think will get them into heaven. Uh, and so, it, you know, we have sort of been trained uh, throughout the years to, uh, to, to, to almost sort of hate ourselves for smoking. We, we, we're trained to want to feel like we should quit smoking. Um, but in, in reality, when we're talking about accidental quitters like myself and, and Kristen, um, for, for my story, it was that I was somewhat ambivalent. I had been using nicotine gum for three years. And the way I was using it was in places where I could not smoke. So public transportation, in restaurants after meals, at the movies, in my own apartment where smoking was not allowed. Um, and it, it got to a point where like, I, you know, I got kind of tired of having to walk down a flight of stairs to step outside to smoke a cigarette. So I just kept chewing the nicotine gun. Um, under any other circumstances, by the way, that's referred to as dual use. And it has this negative connotation that has been built up over the years. But as, as uh, Helen and, and Pat Dennings go into in the article here, um, dual use should actually be considered a, a reduction of harm. It's a way that people are displacing the number of cigarettes that they're smoking. And, and, and you know, ultimately, the goal is that they whatever they're using to displace the cigarettes, maybe eventually they find it more appealing. Uh, and so even even Pat Denning's story here is, is sort of uh, a lot of, uh, you know, learning how to use the devices this article sort of takes her through that journey of sampling different products and finding what she's going to like more. Finally, she finds one, but it was a process. And all the while, she's continuing to smoke something like uh, maybe half a pack or pack of cigarettes a day after, after limiting herself for so many years. Um, but when she did eventually find the product that worked for her, which I think she describes a tobacco flavor in here, um, it was a surprise. <laughs> it, it, it was a surprise. And, um, uh, and, and I think that's a, a similar feeling. A lot of us, whether you count yourself as an accidental quitter or not, that initial sort of that light bulb goes off and it's like, oh, wait, I, I don't have to smoke anymore. These products are, are filling that, that desire, that, that need or that, that want for uh, a pleasurable nicotine experience that I used to think I was getting from, from cigarettes. Um, and so that surprise, of course, coupled with the surprise of, wait a second, the entire public health community is against these products is um, quite an interesting event for, for a lot of us. So um, 
that being uh, my my story and very brief review of uh, of this article, um, open it up to the rest of the panel and and, and we can uh, talk about our own experiences with with accidental quitting, intentions to quit, motivations, and so on. Do you want to go first, or I can? I I feel like uh, I feel like kind of the oddball out here because I definitely don't feel like an accidental quitter. So. My husband wasn't either. Um, The reason I consider myself an accidental quitter was because I had no intention to quit smoking either. Um, A lot of people who have read my old blog or have seen me in other interviews know kind of my story of that. My husband and I just happened to go to the Wisconsin State Fair and uh, there was a booth and I forget what they were called, VIP or something like that or MVP. They were Sigalikes. They looked just like cigarettes with the little red tip and even had the tan filters. I mean, they had had the little lines going around. The, <laughs> I mean, very much a signal like when you think of that. And, um, you know, weak couple puffs, you know, but Wisconsin was just implementing its indoor um, ban, indoor statewide, uh, what do you call it? Clean air, clean air Act thing or whatever you want to call it. And, um, he said, well, these aren't, these aren't covered. And I'm like, oh, there you go. You know, whenever we're out, we can use the, that was almost the entire reason why we bought these things that, and they were cheaper. They were cheaper than cigarettes. Cigarettes, this is 2009. Um, They weren't as bad as they are today, but they were starting to get up there and it was so much cheaper. You know, of course they were telling us that that little tan colored filtered cartridge was equal to a pack of cigarettes, which was, (laughs) I mean, looking back now, I can't even believe I believe that. But um, yeah, so that's what we bought them. And next thing I know, I'm like, hey, this works. I don't even want to smoke anymore. And next thing I know, I quit smoking. Um, My husband, he did not have that, but not with the tobacco flavor. I got a tobacco flavor. He got a menthol flavor because he's somebody who smoked menthol. And um, it wasn't, I got got home and I was kind of like, it tastes more like how pipe tobacco smells. Mm-hmm. That's the only yeah. way I can, you know, and it's slightly sweet. And I said, well, if they can flavor this, couldn't there be other flavors? And so that's how I found my way to ECF, to the e-cigarette forum. And all sorts of things went from there, you know. So, yeah, um, that's how I became an accidental advocate. <laughs> because like, just like Alex, you're like, what do you mean they're not, you know, why are they saying all this stuff? Yeah. Um, on the, uh, yeah, but my, like I said, my husband had a harder time and he ended up, we, we gave him more menthol. We gave him more nicotine. Uh, ultimately it was him using it in conjunction with snooze. So at the time he was a, what would you call it? Triple user as opposed poly, to poly user. Poly user. Okay. Yeah. There you go. He's only using three, but yes, poly, um, between the snooze and the cigarettes and the and the uh, e-cigarettes, but it was definitely the snooze because there was just something missing in the e-cigarettes for him. So he wasn't an accidental. I mean, again, he wasn't looking to quit either. I mean, so I guess you could kind of count him, but it was more of an effort after that because by that point I had quit. So, um, yeah, I love this article. I could totally identify with her um, and, and and that shock. And I love that it's another harm reduction person who's just starting to go, wait, what? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. I don't understand. Because so many were just buying them from a gas station and had no clue what was going on as far as uh, uh, legislation and all that. Um, I did a little quick deep dive into the internet and I found a good, and again, I will share these uh, share these links in the 
description and all that. Um, but there was a study that was done in, doo -doo, where is it? uh 2018 university of east anglia did a study that found that 17 percent of their subjects quit accidentally uh, in an in an interview the lead researcher dr caitlin notley notley from uea's norwich medical school said the really interesting thing that we found and this was after talking about a whole bunch of other stuff in the study so and then she saw, follows it up with the really interesting thing we found though which was kind of cool um was that vaping may also encourage people who don't even want to stop smoking to eventually quit. Well, most of the sample group reported long histories of tobacco smoking and multiple previous quit attempts, a minority, they're calling it a minority, 17%, said they enjoyed smoking and had never seriously attempted to quit. These were our accidental quitters, said Dr. Notley, Notley whatever. Sorry if I'm butchering your name, doctor. Uh, they hadn't intended to quit smoking and had tried vaping on a whim or because they'd been offered it by friends. They went on to like it and only saw it as a potential substitute for smoking. Many people talked about how they saw vaping was a no pressure approach to quitting, she added. Now, with that in mind, that 17%, I came across another study, which I wouldn't call it necessarily anti-vaping, but it was sort of like skewed towards how do we get people to quit this vaping thing too? And, um, but by the same token, they did look at how people were doing as far as quitting and they were really more looking into why they were vaping. But that gave an interesting point of view of between the people who were still smoking or dual using and the people who had completely quit, uh, why, what their reasoning was behind starting vaping in the first place. Cause that can sort of affect how, your rates are as far as, you know, you're, you're actually the ones who end up not smoking anymore and only vaping. And then they went on to ask them about, well, when are you going to quit vaping? So it's, they always have to go that little bit more. Um, so, but in this study that was in the journal addiction in 2019, and there's a really interesting correlation here and you'll see what I mean. Um, they found that for people who were still currently smoking while they were vaping, their top three reasons were to help cutting down smoking, 85.6% because it was less harm harmful to others. So there's that secondhand smoke thing, that, uh, monster that uh, we're, we were all convinced we were killing everybody around us. Uh, that was 77.9% and help with quitting smoking was 77.4%. Now notice that the, the, the top one wasn't, I, I wanted to quit smoking, it was to cut down. You know, mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Um, approximately 23% of the people who were still smoking and vaping did not nominate quitting as a reason, of whom 6% vaped to cut down on smoking, but not to quit. The remaining 17%, remember that number from last time, only for other reasons. They vape for only other reasons. The top reasons for people who were current regular vaping among people who were no longer smoking were enjoyment at 90.6%. So once we quit smoking, we're just doing it because we enjoy it, right? Um, less harmful to others, 90%. Affordability, 89.5%. And help to stay quit, 88.3%. So it actually helped them to stay quit. Um, in conclusion, they state that non-cessation reasons given by a small minority, which I thought was interesting because it sounded like a lot of them said they were doing it because they enjoyed it and stuff, um, may lead to accidental quitting. This is what they said, but may also make continuing to smoke easier, a possibility worth being monitored. So they're worried that their people are gonna keep uh, 
you know, go back to smoking or whatnot. And one of the reasons I think that it was really interesting take was because the other study found that 17% quit accidentally and they found 17% weren't, didn't list smoking or quitting smoking as the reason. So those could correlate that they could very easily become those accidental quitters. But what really, and this is something that Alex likes to bring up all the time, the fact that they call 17% quitting smoking, which was in that first study, a small minority is noteworthy because the estimated quit rate being used as justification for banning menthol is close to what, Alex? I think was it 19%? 15 or 20%. And that's yeah. considered significant. So when it yeah. comes to accidental quitting, somehow 17% is a small minority that, you know, may not mm -hmm. mean anything. But for menthol ban, 20% or 19%, just a little bit more is significant enough to pass laws. So I just found that was really some really interesting research on my little deep and, dive on that. And just to put a finer point on that number that you're pointing out, that's 17% of people who smoke menthol. That's not overall smoking. Right, yeah. Even, that 20% they're citing as the reason to ban menthol is even smaller than- Because that's only 30% yeah. of smokers to begin with, or 39, right. I think it was. Yeah, I see, good point. Yeah, I didn't even think yeah. about that when I was reading that. That's a good point. It's this was like, 17% like of all. It, it, it's just like the, uh, 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 the the current user thing, right? Like, uh, you know, it, it, the, the, they, they throw the number out there and then they, they sort of twist it around and make it sound like it's an entire generation of kids. And it's the percentage of a percentage. Uh, yeah, it's a percentage yeah, of a percentage yeah. of a percentage. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's. I need to catch up on these comments or were you popping those up while I was. I was popping a few of them up as we okay. were going along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. Accidental quitting, I think, is a lot more significant than they give it credit for because, really, when has anybody accidentally quit with the patch? Oh, darn, it fell on my arm and I quit smoking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I just went to the, 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 the pharmacy on a whim and decided I'd buy the patches, and overnight, I'm going to smoke free. Yeah. Right? yeah you know, while I was there picking up my gout medication, I saw the patches and decided, you know what? They were right there on the counter. It was such a good-looking display. Give me a box of those 24 milligram. That sounds great. Yeah. I, um, I was not, I don't consider myself an accidental quitter. Maybe I am, uh, not really though. Um, <laughs> I never really had any desire to quit smoking, uh, for a really long time, kind of right up to the end of my smoking. I really loved smoking. Um, and it, it always feels weird in this space to be like, yeah, I loved smoking but i also would love to see everybody quit smoking you know but really truly i i loved smoking i looked forward to every cigarette that i ever had um but early on i think it was maybe 2010 2011 somewhere in that in those the depths of the past um i tried one of those cigalikes um early on too just on a whim uh because again they were in a nice display case right at the the counter when i was cashing out getting my cigarettes and and I bought one um, thinking, you know, why not? What the heck? Maybe this thing's cool. Maybe it'll work. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. And they always kind of seemed back then, I always took e-cigarettes as like a gimmicky thing. I never really applied, um, you know, public health to the idea, whether they were safe or not. None of that really came into play to me. They, they kind of just felt like a gimmicky thing. Like, oh, this is something I could do in the movie theater or something. And I never really made the connection as to like what that really meant. Um, so I just bought one on a whim uh, and, and it didn't work for me at all. Um, didn't, there was no satisfaction and I didn't find it appealing. Uh, I used it until the battery died and then 
I got rid of it and I went right back to smoke. I smoked the entire time too. I would like sit on my couch, take a couple of puffs, be disappointed, get up, go outside and smoke a cigarette. Um, a few years later, I, I, you know, I had been catching uh, a lot of flack from my doctor at the time. I was, I was diagnosed with asthma when I was two years old. Um, and so, uh, smoking was something that was always, you know, from the day I started smoking, my doctors, my friends, my fan, everybody was like, Logan, you got to stop that. Like you're an asthmatic. You're going to, you're going to kill yourself. What are you doing? Why are you smoking? And my response was always, it helps me. And it didn't make sense to anybody, but if you are an asthmatic, uh, a lot of people, and I actually, I did an entire podcast on, on asthma and smoking and vaping back when I used to do the rise and vape podcast. And, uh, there was a number of people that agreed with me on this. Uh, other people who have asthma, um, smoking can actually kind of act as a bronchodilator and, and open people up when they are experiencing an asthma attack. And it, maybe it's a phenomenon, maybe it's a mental thing, whatever it is, there are other accounts of this. And that's, that was my, um, that was one of the things that I did. If I was having trouble breathing, I would actually smoke a cigarette and that would actually open me up. Now, later on, well over a decade later, the reverse of that would, uh, would kind of be the, I, I guess not really, like I would still experience that, uh, that kind of opening up of my, my lungs, but I was having more frequent, more severe bouts of asthma, uh, and asthma attacks, uh, as my smoking continued. Um, and then I, I broke down one day, not being able to play with my kids, walking away from them while we were outside running around to go sit down, you know, and catch my breath. And the first thing I did was light up a cigarette and, uh, and it really broke my heart. It tore me up. And I, that was the day I went from, I'm going to smoke until I die to, I actually need to quit smoking. Like this is, this is becoming an actual problem. This is becoming the problem everybody told me about. Uh, and it's becoming a very real thing. And I was fortunate enough to uh, recall seeing a lot of people vaping in, in town. And there was a vape shop, um, I don't know, less than a mile from where I lived. Uh, and I walked in kind of in desperate need and said, hey, can you help me? I really I really need to quit smoking uh, before I'm the, the dad hooked up to oxygen and in a wheelchair. Um, and they did. And that was that was that, you know, and I, I quit less than a week later. Um, but it, there, it was a very intentional thing when I walked into that vape shop. Uh, I remember thinking like, this is the last thing I'm going to try. I'm either going to, this is going to work now because it's been so many years since I tried one of these products before the technology has gotten better. I see people using these big devices, things like this. So this is, this is my last shot. I need to, I need to make this count. So it was definitely intentional. Um, and somewhere in there in the middle, I, I had tried patches and i had tried gums and i tried lozenges and I, I i've talked to alex about this a few times i would just smoke and chew the gum you know i would chew the gum put it in my 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 gums and i would just smoke the whole time um so none of those things worked for me but there, it was definitely an intentional thing when i walked into that vape shop i was like i need to i need to quit smoking so i don't i don't really fall into the accidental quitter category but i definitely fall into like the I loved smoking category. Uh, I didn't have the intention to quit until that day. And it was kind of like, you ever been hit by like an emotional train? That's how I felt that day. You know, I had a very deep realization of, of, you know, my own, my own mortality. And it was, was like, okay, this, this is something I need to do today. But if you had asked me the day before that, I would have been like, no, I'm not going to quit smoking. You're, you're crazy. You know, that way. I, I remember that feeling. Smoking. I mean, I was, and, that, and that's how it, it's kind of a fine line because I didn't purchase it. 
to quit smoking. I had no intention to quit smoking. So like you said, it was just a, oh, that's kind of, what is that? And I think I remembered seeing one back in like 2003 or 2004. Someone had like a real tall, one of the really skinny long pen ones. And I saw her puffing on it. And at the time I would, it just, what the, what is she doing? <laughs> you know, and it didn't register. And then like, Four years later, I was like, oh, I saw an early vape, you know, um, but but yeah, because there's that time when I went from oh, this will be, you know, cheaper and it'll be good to, you know, vape at the bar or whatever if we since we can't smoke anymore. And but there was that flip of where it was like, this is good for my health. This is better. I'm suddenly breathing better and I don't want to go back to smoking. And I've, you know, then. In, um, you know, we had a small, I, th I think I had a, th she was three years old at the time. And I'm like, I was a little older when I had her. I want to live longer for her. And then it turned into a health thing. But you really, you know, it, so, I, so I know what you mean. It's like, it, it became for health. And I think a lot of people might not know, they might not think back enough to when they actually bought it. For you, you know pretty clearly what it was. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's something that's not given enough credit because, because I bought that thing on a whim and not to quit smoking. My husband quit smoking. Then my brother got into it. Then his wife got into it. Then both my sons vape. And then my nephew vapes and my 71 year old aunt um, who passed away this last December, I have a great picture of her sitting in my big leather red chair uh, playing on her phone with a, what looks like a cigarette bete between her fingers and because she's in my living room, you know it's not a cigarette because she wouldn't be smoking in my house. And we had got her, gotten her to try one of these ones that, as it were, a cigarette. Oh, I guess I'll try it. You know, and I think part of it was because she got sick of having to go outside and we're all sitting in the in the house vaping because she was living with me at the time, you know. And again, I don't think, I mean, she was 70 years old. Maybe she was 69 or 68 at the time. She didn't care. At this point, she's like, I've been smoking for 50 years. I don't care anymore. Yeah, you know? That was my grandma, right? Uh, yeah. my, my grandma smoked for decades. Um, and she became, a, so she was kind of, I'd count her as an accidental quitter. She accidentally met us, you know, came, you know, was, we, she was around us. She, her decision was not to quit smoking. It was, I'm tired of being outside in the North Woods of Wisconsin in January trying to smoke a cigarette. I think that was a big factor, but, and yeah. we didn't know she could sit in front of the TV. And so I would count her as an excellent quitter. And I think that's not given as much credit as it should be, because I don't think you're going to see as many people who are quitting it's it's that domino effect. One person accidentally quitting, they usually, and if they stick with vaping, they usually become advocates. You know, because I think they weren't expecting. Yeah, definitely that. to some degree, even thing. if it's just within you know their immediate family or circle of friends or whatever, uh, you do like if you if you switched and all of a sudden you're noticing all these health benefits, and then you have friends, family, people immediately close to you who who still smoke like. I feel like most people kind of take it upon themselves at that point to be like, Hey man, you know, I made, I, I tried this product and it's really working for me and I feel a lot better. You know, I, that that's a pretty co common conversation. I, I would think. What year did you quit? When did me? you, when did you first start? When did you first, what were the, what was so the, the very first year? time I ever tried an e-cigarette was in 2010 or 11. And that was, okay. it was just that's a cigarette from a gas station. Yeah. Didn't do anything for me. Didn't work. Uh, and then late July, uh, let's see, it would be, the 25th or 20 how many days are in july 31 
so the the, the 25th of july 2017 was the day that i walked into a my local vape shop um and got my first like i guess non-siga like uh you know sub home tank stick battery kit um and that's that's what i quit with uh and i quit august 1st uh six days later uh completely completely quit cigarettes uh that day I, had, I, I didn't really like think that it, I honestly, it was like I said, it was, it was kind of one of those weird things where I didn't really like, I loved smoking. It wasn't I me that too. wanted to quit. I had to quit for my health. If it hadn't been for my asthma and, and, and my, the condition of my lungs and all of that, I, I would have just smoked until it took me, you know, it was really the my smoke. kids that were, that were sitting there in front of me uh, and I couldn't play with them. Right. Uh, because of what smoking had done that. to my lungs. And, and that day, I mean, I literally, I yelled up uh, to their mother and I was like, Hey, can you come down and play with the kids for a minute? I'm going to run to the store. And I got up and I went to the vape shop right then and there. And I just walked in and I was like, I don't know anything about these products. I just know that like people use these and I know a few people who quit smoking with these and I need to quit smoking as soon as possible. Can you help me? Right. Uh, and the guy's name was Kevin. Uh, shout out to Kevin because he's a fantastic human being and he walked me through everything that he could possibly walk me through. Uh, he was really kind. He was really understanding. He was really helpful. Uh, people who work in vape shops like Kevin are just some of the most valuable human beings uh, on the planet because they genuinely just want to help you and whatever your goals are. Hey, you want to cut down on your smoking? Well, maybe, maybe I can help you do that. Hey, you want to quit? Hey, you know, maybe I can help you find something that's going to enable you to do that. Uh, and people like that are just phenomenal human beings because I probably just smoked and until I died from 40 different horrible diseases, you know? Yeah. I just said before, I, I would go up to the bar because I wanted to smoke. Yeah, you know, but I just couldn't smoke in my house and stuff. And it wasn't to go out drinking. I I I would go through a whole pack of cigarettes at night in the bar. It was crazy. I did want to bring up one thing. I'll let Alex. I'm gonna let you because you try to say something, and then I'm gonna go back to a comment that yeah, I address. I, I do want to jump in and and also um, note that uh, we're about to wrap all of this up uh, and 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 uh, shave an hour off the time here. Um, but I, I a couple of things. First of all. Kristen has highlighted a really important point here. Um, first of all, um, thank you for your aptitude and diligence in tracking down the science. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I, I briefly tried to look for research on this topic and, and didn't really find anything. Uh, just knowing that other scientists and, and other people in the policy space have been noting that there is not a lot of, of very good science looking at this phenomenon and there needs to be more. Um, and so just the fact that you found these just two studies on this highlights that point. Uh, and, and thank you for bringing those to the discussion. I think that was very helpful. Um, and the other thing uh, was for uh, Logan, you know, noting that sort of emotional freight train that you can get hit by uh, sometimes, not just for smoking, but all other things. I had that as well, but it, mine was sort of in the opposite direction, right? Like I was I had gotten to a point with using nicotine gum where I, I noticed I was going an entire weekend without smoking. I was just using the gum. And so I tried to sort of build on that momentum. And I, I stopped smoking on a Friday evening after work, just used the gum all the way through. And then Monday when I came back to work, continued using the nicotine gum, 
unfortunately, by about two o'clock in the afternoon, I started feeling the effects of withdrawal from whatever. I mean, I was getting a dose of nicotine, but something else was missing. And working in a, a job where I'm responsible for moving around full-size passenger vans, I can't really be in a state where I feel inebriated. So I was having that, I was having sort of, it was like, it was like I was high. It, in, in, in any other circumstance, it would have felt good, but I just was not able to perform at work. And so I immediately went out and bought two packs of cigarettes just to kind of rebalance things. Um, and it was in that moment, that, that was when the freight train hit me. It was kind of later on in the week. I was a little depressed about the fact that I was not successful. And uh, I also am someone who very much deeply loved smoking, um, but had gotten to that point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and, and wanted to try to quit. But when I failed, it was, it was, for lack of a better description, soul crushing. And I, in that moment, I, I regained that ambivalence about quitting. And it's, it's, it's combined with lots of self-doubt. There's something wrong with me. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm shackled to this for the rest of my life. I'm going to die from some horrible disease. There's nothing I could do about it. And well, at least I like smoking, but it took, you know, it took two more weeks and seeing someone being successful with the products that convinced me to give it a try. It wasn't, I didn't walk into it, you know, there, in 2013, there, there, of course, like now, there aren't any real, uh, you know, there's no messaging coming from public health. There's no messaging coming from a pharmaceutical company. There's no messaging coming from the Surgeon General or FDA about how you can use these products to quit smoking. Uh, and so it was, it was on a whim. I'll give this funny looking fake cigarette a try. Uh, and for me, my transition happened over the course of eight hours. I, I took it back to my office. I was, you know, puffing on the e-cig while I was sitting at my desk. And then, and that, that was when it hit me, you get that sting of nicotine and, and that's the proof of concept, but I would still step out and have a cigarette. And as my day went on, I was smoking less and less of a cigarette. I just didn't like the taste of it anymore. I mean, it was that sudden. And so I, I completely switched three days later when I got my starter kit in the mail. Uh, and as Skip Murray noted, I, I also, I still have six cools left in a pack sitting next to my television. Uh, I have no intention of smoking. I'm sure they're, they're even worse than if they were fresh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of why I, I, I consider myself an accidental quitter. And, and to put another, just a, a final point on, on notes about the research, I think, you know, the questions that people are being asked need to include this, you know, even though people may have been motivated to quit previously, uh, that, that, that sense of defeat, that sense of resigning ourselves to, to continuing to smoke for the rest of our lives, nothing's going to work, that I think is very significant. And uh, when we do stumble upon something that, that works, it, it very much is kind of quitting by accident. And, and I think that needs to be factored into the research going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would like, like you, I, I had resigned myself that I was never going to quit smoking. I mean, I quit smoking three times for over a year through a pregnancy and nursing. And where, where is tobacco control to explain a year of quit, but I go back. 
I'm not still addicted to nicotine. You can't tell me I'm still addicted to nicotine. So they never think about that stuff. That, that's another reason why I've always said there's a reason why people start smoking. It's not because, because you enjoyed it, though. You knew you knew there was I did enjoy enjoyment. it. There was pleasure there. There was something that you were something you, about you wanted to, to smoke. something. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I'm going to go yeah. back. I have to give a shout out. Where is it now? I got to find it. So buried. Um, here we go. Back to talking about the research and stuff we were talking about, and I was making that 17%. I wish we could give like a little kudos award. Andrew, you are right. And you call me out and you caught that. And I'm so proud of you for catching that. You can't just take numbers from two different studies and say, well, that's 17% and that's 17%. And, and that's the kind of, and I was hoping somebody would say something because for those listening to the podcast, Andrew George says, I'm assuming the sample size are significantly different from study to study. And uh, yes, yes, they were. And you are absolutely right. And that was really just to make a point. But I want I did want to see if anybody would catch that because people just take numbers at face value and they just go out and go, oh, yeah, 17 percent, 17 percent. Same thing. No, they're not. <laughs> they're really not. But the most important thing was that 17 percent in that first study did quit accidentally. And that is comparable to that whole 20% with the menthol and all that stuff. Um, that That is significant. That's a significant amount. And that they keep poo-pooing it as like it's some kind of insignificant minority that it's yeah. not really relevant. And good call. Good, good catch. And I just wanted to give you kudos for that. <laughs> okay. All right. How's that for a deep dive? Did we dive deep enough? I think there's further to dive, uh, oh, but like Alex pointed out, this is a space with a, a you know a limited, very limited amount of research, um, and I think that we could absolutely uh, use a little bit more of that because this is not uh, it is not an uncommon thing. I mean, uh, you if you would like to, <clears throat> you can dig through the Kassan testimonials page, and you can read for yourself thousands of people who have very similar stories. Uh, to trying one of these products on a whim with no real desire, intention to quit. Maybe it was for another reason, something like uh, being able to smoke in your home or, um, you know, at a, at a movie theater or wherever it was, given the place and time and, and things. Um, and people, people try these products for a number of reasons, uh, whatever their needs are, and, and end up finding it more uh, enjoyable, pleasurable, um, or just forgetting to smoke. I've read so many people's stories where they, you know, they, they bought an e-cigarette on a whim and uh, realized two days later that they hadn't had a cigarette yet because they forgot to smoke because they had just been, been vaping the entire time. So uh, the Cassatt testimonials page is, is full of those. And I know, I know it's not actual research. We can't use that for a study, Alex, but it's there. It's encouraging. Uh, and so for anybody out there that wants to check it out, and also if you have not yet uh, submitted your own personal testimony about your 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 quit story or your transition or wherever you're at with uh, with smoke-free products, please share that over at the CASA testimonials page. What do you guys think? Hey, if they can trot out uh, kids who were suddenly instantly addicted to their vapes as being evidence why they have to be banned. We can trot out 22,000 or more uh, or whatever, how many thousand, 13,000, 13,000, 22,000 is our membership um, on the uh, website or on the Facebook and Facebook. All that. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but if, but if, you know, if they can trot out three teenagers who became horribly addicted and it ruined their lives, 
um, as being evidence as why something should be banned, we can use our 13,000 things as evidence of why they shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But again, there's controlled things and studies and research and specific data we look for, and we can't use that. But it is still, nonetheless, full of encouragement and real, real stories, real people's. There's value in real people's stories uh, and the testimonies pages is, is a testament to, to that value. So what do you guys think? How do we do? I think we did all right. I think, I think we can, uh, I think we can safely wrap, wrap this one up this week. All right, everybody uh, for podcast listeners out there, uh, there are two count them two versions of this available. You can tune into the entire version. If you're listening to that right now. Awesome. It's uh, a little bit shorter than we've been doing. So we're good on time. Um, you can listen to the full version and there's also a legislative rundown only version, just the need to know stuff quick and easy. Everything that Alex goes through every week to keep us all up to date and informed and how we can participate, uh, and what we can do. So check that out. Um, and then also, uh, again, one last time, if you haven't yet joined Casa, please do. It is completely free. Uh, you can get all of the up-to-date stuff that's available, uh, whether it be through emails or checking out the site. Becoming a member is free, easy. You can submit your testimonies and get involved. Uh, I think I think that is where we're going to wrap this week up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Does anybody have any final thoughts out there uh, for our listeners and for our viewers? You made me remember that my vapeversary is coming up in a couple of days and i think Ooh, i'm coming on soon too 12 years hey. wow. wow mine's gonna be four <laughs> still great still yeah. great every yeah. every year i had i had my eight back in february so very nice yeah mine will be literally i mean august 1st mine's here in a few weeks so looking forward to celebrating that congratulations to both of you Yes. And congratulations to everybody else who has a vapeversary coming up. What a fun word, vapeversary. All right. Uh, and also, oh, one last thing for podcast listeners, uh, all the links to everything that we discussed, including blog notes, all that kind of stuff will be available in the SoundCloud description below. Uh, and also links to all of where you can watch these live streams, whether it be on Facebook, on Twitter, um, or on YouTube. I think I said Instagram last week. Now, while Kasa does have an Instagram, this live stream does not go up there. So I was editing last week and I was like, nope, no. Logan, nope, that's wrong. Uh, so Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, that's where you can find the replays uh, for all of these episodes. Please go subscribe, follow, click that notification bell, do all the things, all the bells and whistles, turn them on. We are here live every Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 Pacific. You guys know the spiel. Anywhere in between or around the world, you're going to have to figure it out on your own. Google foo, I don't know. Uh, put your skills to use uh, unless you're really good at time zones because I am not. Um, but I think, I think, I think that's it. I think, I think we're out of here. What do you guys think? A minute for or an hour, a minute, an hour 45. Not bad. All right. Not, Not bad. bad. Put it down. Bye, guys. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you guys uh, one last time for tuning in. Much appreciate everybody who stuck through the live stream. Thank you for all your comments uh, and questions. Uh, and thank you to all of the uh, the replay crew out there who's going to tune in and check this out. You're all fantastic. We will be here maybe next week. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we're here next week or not. We got to figure it out. 
We'll be. We'll be here? Okay, cool. Alex says we'll be here. All right, we'll be here. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye.